section ninety three of mysteries of london volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org mysteries of london volume four by george w m reynolds the marquis of delmore on the following morning lord william trevilian called upon the marquis of delmore whom he found pacing his apartment in great agitation the old nobleman had two sources of annoyance at that moment the first was the suspense in which he existed relative to the result of his endeavours to regain possession of agnes whom he devotedly loved and the other was in respect to laura mortimer he had heard from his bankers on the previous evening that the cheque for sixty thousand pounds had been duly presented and cashed and he therefore concluded that the young lady had arrived in london but why had she not written to him his impatience to receive a note from her was in proportion to the madness the intensity of that passion with which her transcendent loveliness and her siren richeries had inspired him and his excited imagination conjured up a thousand reasons for this silence he fancied that some accident might have occurred to her or that she had written and her letter had miscarried in which case she herself would be marvelling at his tardiness in repairing to her or that she had changed her mind and repented of the promise she had made to become the old man's mistress then jealousy took possession of his soul and he could scarcely control within reasonable bounds the emotions that agitated in his breast the arrival of trevelyan however promised to relieve him of at least one cause of suspense and anxiety and the moment the young nobleman entered the apartment the marquis rushed precipitately forward to meet him in pursuance of my promise said lord william when the usual compliments were interchanged i called upon her ladyship mrs sefton i mean yesterday and had a long interview with her and the result demanded the marquis impatiently i regret to state that after all i heard upon the occasion i cannot either recommend the withdrawal of lady agnes from her mother's charge or interfere any farther in this family matter responded the young nobleman mrs sefton will see sir gilbert heathcote no more and will devote herself to that maternal care which she is so well qualified to bestow upon her daughter then my lord exclaimed the marquis impetuously i shall at once appeal to the tribunals of my country for that redress which i ought to have demanded long ago pardon me my lord said trevelyan for reminding you that there is much to be considered ere you put this threat into execution by giving publicity to your unhappy family affairs you may to some extent act injuriously to the welfare of your daughter true ejaculated the old nobleman struck by the observation and yet am i to remain quiet and tranquil beneath this additional wrong which is thus thrust upon me by her who in law is still my wife for your daughter's sake you must endure it if a wrong it indeed be answered trevelyan solemnly and agnes has she learnt the secret of her birth does she cling to her mother in preference to me does she devote not a single thought to the father who has ever behaved with so much tenderness towards her demanded the marquis reply my lord to all these questions your daughter still believes herself to be plain miss agnes was the answer and she is not taught to forget her father 
but what must she think of the strange circumstances that while she believes herself to be the bearer of her father's name of vernon her mother is known by that of sefton asked the nobleman she has adopted the latter name as a natural consequence of her restoration to the maternal parent was the reply but her pure and artless mind cherishes not the curiosity which in ordinary cases would prompt many questions relative to all these points she imagines generally that particular causes of unhappiness have led to the separation of her parents and that the adoption of different names was the necessary result for the rest believe me that she will be well cared for by her mother and that she will never be tutored to think of you otherwise than with respect and gratitude is she happy with the mother happier than she was in her own cottage under my care inquired the marquis after a long panic during which he seemed to reflect deeply she is happy my lord responded trevelyan but i will not aver that she is happier than she was she thinks of you constantly speaks of you often then i will do nothing that shall interfere with her tranquillity nothing that shall bring into the light of publicity those circumstances that would give her so much pain interrupted the marquis who though sensual jealous and imperious in disposition though addicted to pleasures of a profligate description was nevertheless characterized by many lofty feelings and generous sentiments as indeed the whole tenor of his conduct towards agnes had fully proven lord william trevelyan thanked him for the assurances which he had just given and shortly afterwards took his leave highly rejoiced at the manner in which the interview had terminated it must be observed that the passion which the marquis of delmore had formed for laura mortimer and the hope which he entertained of speedily possessing her as his mistress had in a slight degree diminished the intensity of his anxiety to recover agnes inasmuch as his arrangements in respect to laura had not only served to occupy his mind abstract his thoughts somewhat from the contemplation of the loss of his daughter and hold forth the promise of a solace to be derived from the society of that lovely creature whose unaccountable silence nevertheless tormented him sadly the day passed and still no communication arrived let it be remembered it was on this self-same day that laura and the count were married and it was during the following night that mrs mortimer met her dreadful death in the manner already described the ensuing morning found the marquis pale agitated and racked by a thousand anxious fears amongst which jealousy was often uppermost as he revolved in his mind all the possible reasons that could account for the protracted silence of the young lady he sat down to breakfast for form's sake but ate nothing never did his gilded saloons appear more desolate more lonely and yet it was not to them that he had contemplated bringing his beautiful mistress presently the morning papers were laid upon the table and mechanically casting his eyes over one of them he observed a short article headed diabolical outrage and frightful death he commenced the perusal of the account and the apathy with which he began speedily changed into the most intense interest for the article ran thus last night shortly after the hour of twelve the inhabitants of westbourne place and the immediate neighbourhood were thrown into the greatest alarm by the sudden outburst of the most dreadful screaming 
as of a female in mortal agonies these terrific signs of distress appeared to emanate from a narrow lane passing by the side of a beautiful villa in the occupation of the count and countess of carignano who it appears had been married in the morning and had only entered their new abode immediately after the ceremony his lordship attended by his valet lost no time in descending to the succour of the afflicted person whoever it might be and they discovered an elderly lady in the agonies of death they conveyed her into the villa where to the horror of the count and his lovely bride it was found that the dying woman was none other than mrs mortimer the mother of the countess medical assistance was promptly sent for but before the nearest surgeon could arrive death had terminated the sufferings of the lamented lady the horrible nature of those sufferings can be readily understood when on surgical examination it transpired that an immense quantity of the strongest vitriol had been thrown over her and there were proofs that the bottle containing the burning fluid had been broken over her head the affair is involved in some mystery but it is presumed that while repairing to her daughter's abode she must have missed her way and got into the lane where some murderous ruffian undeserving of the name of a man perpetrated the frightful outrage our readers may remember that this is not the only case of the terrible use of vitriol which we have recently been so painfully compelled to record and from all we can learn there is a monster in human shape well known to the police and bearing the significant though horrible denomination of vitriol robert or more familiarly vitriol bob who has for some time past infested the metropolis and who makes use of the burning liquid as an adjunct to his predatory attacks on the unwary in lone or dark neighbourhoods the above are all the particulars which we have been as yet able to obtain owing to the advanced period of the night when the diabolical outrage was perpetrated this narrative detailed with all the mannerism of an export penny a liner excited the jealous rage of the marquis of delmore almost to madness the whole thing was as clear as daylight the mrs mortimer who had met her death in such a dreadful way was evidently the old woman whom he had seen on several occasions and she was after all the mother of laura the perfidious laura herself had become the wife of another and the marquis was compelled to open his eyes to the fact that he had been most egregiously duped by an adventuress hastily summoning his carriage the marquis proceeded direct to his bankers where he found that the sixty thousand pounds had indeed been paid but on farther inquiry he ascertained that an old woman had presented the cheque the description of the recipient was then given by the clerk who cashed the draft and the marquis became convinced that she was none other than mrs mortimer the bankers perceiving that he was anxious to learn who had actually obtained the money produced the cheque itself the female's name being written on the back in token of acquittal and there were the words martha mortimer in a mechanical way and while deliberating what step next to take the enraged nobleman cast his eyes over the draft when he started convulsively for he instantly detected the forgery or rather alteration that had been effected and then in his furious excitement the principal facts of the story came out showing how he had been induced to give the cheque all was now amazement and alarm in the bank parlour and one of the partners in the firm suggested the propriety of repairing immediately to the dwelling of the count of carignano for the purpose of communicating with the countess relative to the transaction 
but the marquis who by this time had grown somewhat more cool began to reflect that any publicity which was given to the matter would only cover him with ridicule and as the money was not of such consequence to him as the avoidance of the shame attendant on the business he wisely resolved to hush up the whole affair the bankers were by no means averse to this amicable mode of adjustment inasmuch as it relieved them from all doubt or uncertainty and all possibility of dispute relative to the party on whom the loss consequent on the forgery was to fall and they therefore readily consented to retain the transaction profoundly secret at the same time they understood fully that they were not to pay the genuine cheque for sixty thousand pounds in case of its presentation the marquis resolving to take time to consider what course he should pursue with regard to that portion of the business the old nobleman drove home again and on his arrival at his stately mansion he shut himself up in his own chamber to reflect upon the startling revelations of that day not for an instant did he entertain the idea of seeking an interview with laura such a step was useless for she had no doubt married he reasoned according to her taste moreover his pride revolted at the bare idea of undergoing the humiliation and shame of being laughed at by one who would probably care nothing for any reproaches that might be levelled against her but how was he to recover the cheque it was valid in her hands for even if she had connived at her mother's forgery the collusion could not be brought home to her still the marquis did not at all admire the idea of paying another sixty thousand especially for one who had so grossly deluded him by degrees the old nobleman's thoughts became so bewildering that he felt as if he were going mad he had lost his daughter he had lost his mistress he had been duped out of his money and vile though laura evidently was he nevertheless still adored her image with a devouring passion he walked up and down his room in a state of excitement that was increasing cruelly and that produced a hurry in the brain a confusion in the ideas a delirium in the imagination the fever of his reflections augmented to such a height that he began to conjure up a variety of evils and annoyances which did not really exist he pictured to himself his bankers laughing heartily at his folly retelling the scandal as an excellent joke and propagating the most offensive rumours all over the town he fancied that he beheld his friends and acquaintances endeavouring to conceal their satirical smiles as they accosted him he beheld the entire house of lords forgetting their dignity and whispering together in a significant manner as he entered the assembly then his thoughts suddenly travelled to agnes and all his ancient doubts and fears relative to his paternity in respect to her returned with overpowering violence until he felt convinced that she was indeed the offspring of an adulterous connection between his wife and sir gilbert heathcote lastly by a rapid transition his imagination wandered to the abode of the count and countessa of carignano and he pictured the lovely seducing voluptuous laura in the arms of a rival all these reflections maddened the old man deprived him of his reason rendered him desperate and made life appear to him a burthen of anguish and an intolerable misfortune he did not remember his boundless wealth his proud titles his stately mansions and all the means of pleasure enjoyment and solace that were within his reach his morbid condition of mind obtained such a potent sway over him that he only saw in himself alone desolate wretched old man 
deprived of his daughter deprived of his mistress deprived of his money and with the myriad fingers of scorn pointing towards him though the sun was shining joyously and its golden beams penetrated into the chamber through the opening in the rich drapery yet all seemed dark dreary and cheerless to the miserable marquis of delmore his powerful intellect his vigorous understanding his moral courage were all subdued crushed overwhelmed beneath a weight of trifling realities and tremendous fancies in this state of mind the miserable man suddenly rushed to his toilette case seized his razor and inflicted a ghastly wound upon his throat at the same instant that he fell the blood pouring forth like a torrent a valet entered the room bearing a letter upon a silver tray End of section ninety three